Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Boulder. I'm so glad you're tuning in with us online, whether you're on Facebook Live or our church online platform. We'd love to hear from you. Connect in that chat with us. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, Make sure you use those buttons. If you're a guest with us, we'd love to connect with you. You can use that digital connection card or any of those buttons or even text in to the words on the screen. And we would love to connect with you and help you take next steps in getting plugged into community. However we can serve you, man, we love you and we're here for you. A couple of things as we get into today's conversation I want to celebrate. Last week, we had our very first night of worship and prayer outside since COVID has hit. This is our first public gathering back together, and it was so awesome, and it will not be the last. And so stay tuned as we begin to announce when those are coming on Sunday evenings. They're going to be regular and frequent, giving you opportunities to safely connect worship and pray because we believe prayer makes all of the difference. And so super, super glad for everyone that showed up and can't wait to see you at the next one. Now, we've been in a conversation. We've been walking through a series out of the book of Colossians. It's been super helpful and and really encouraging. And if you were able to tune in last week, I gave a message entitled, Get Dressed on Purpose. And in order to have the full context, you need to go back and watch it. I promise it's worth your time. It'll be helpful, definitely helpful for me. And as we're having the conversation today, we're going to kind of continue to have a similar vein of thought as we are looking at this letter written to a new church in a new area, a lot like City Church, a young church with a lot of energy and a lot of life. And and as uh, Paul was having the conversation with these brand new Christians, the conversation kind of centered around, um, you know, if I become a follower of Jesus, he doesn't just make my life better, but he makes me completely new. And I realize some of you are tuning in and you're not you're not followers of Jesus, or maybe you're skeptical of faith, or maybe you're on the outside looking in, and, and, and uh, you're not, not really sure where you land. You, you know, maybe you'd say, I'm not a religious person, and I totally understand that, and I want you to know that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome in this community. At the same time, I believe today's conversation is going to be helpful for you and I, no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, as we have this conversation. And so part of, part of the the flow of conversation and thought last week was, how do I live like the person I will be, not the person that I used to be? And because Jesus makes me new, not, not just better, but he makes me completely new, what, what does it look like to live out that life on a daily basis? And so in the same way that every day you get up and hopefully, you know, there's a change of clothes and you took a shower and you kind of start a new day with a new set of clothes, every day our soul kind of needs this, this change, if you will. We've got to wake up and, and dress our soul on purpose, if that makes sense. We've got to go into the, the day, not, not flat-footed, but intentional, knowing that the new life that we have, we can indeed walk in. And specifically today, we're going to deal with the relational side of this. Like, how, how do we get dressed on purpose when it comes to relationships? And I'm not just talking about, like, relationships with your significant other, but rather just relationships in general. Any, anyone on the other side of the, the conversation here ever have relational conflict? 
Man, me either, so what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time talking about everybody else's conflict, okay, because I know that you and I don't have any. But for those of you that do have relational conflict, um, you know, it's, it's only increasing. I don't know if, if you've read any stats or been paying attention online, but since COVID started and since isolation began to, to really uh, creep in and shut things down, depression has increased Conflict as has increased. People are spending more time together inside, and, and it's continuing to escalate. And, and so there's lots of isolation and depression and conflict. And, and so the question for, for us today is, how would Jesus do relationships? No matter what you think about Jesus, I, I mean, I think, if nothing else, he was an awesome guy. He taught some great things, but uh, I think that he, he also was who he said he was, and there's more to, to the picture. But at the, but at the same time, like, how, how would Jesus do relationships? Or, or maybe a different way in light of last week's conversation, how will we do relationships in the kingdom? And, and one of the things I want to, like, set deep in your heart today, I want you to dream with me. I want you to think about it with me, no matter where you're tuning in. Um, what would it look like for City Church? And, and, and again, our church is all over the place in this community, and some of you are even tuning in um, outside of Boulder, but I want you to dream with me for just a minute. What would it look like for City Church to be the most life-giving expression of community that Boulder has to offer? What, what would it look like for this community to be the most life-giving expression that Boulder has to offer? Now, I have confidence that because of you and because of we and because of God working in and through us, we absolutely have the capacity to see that come about. But it's also not easy because relationships are complicated. And so we're going to kind of bounce into this conversation. And the first thing I want you to kind of chew on for a minute, we talked about it last week, is that um, a lot of our activity flows from our identity. That, that belief determines behavior. That a lot of what I end up doing has, has way more to do with who I think I am and and, and what's been said to me, and, and the way that I've been developed. And, and so when Jesus comes in, and when Paul comes in in this conversation, a lot of it is, is reminding us or bringing us back to a reality of who God says that we are, because once we know who we are, we know what to do. And a lot of our activity flows out of our identity. And so the first thing I, I want to share with you, the, just point number one, work with me today, we're going to have some fun, is this, work what your daddy gave you. Come on, everybody say it with me. Work what your daddy gave gave you. That might not make any sense, and you might be really confused, but it's going to make sense in just a minute, I promise. Now watch what Paul says in verse 12. He says in Colossians 3, just continuing the same conversation of clothing, if you will, getting dressed on purpose. He says, put on, then there it is, putting on something new, putting off some of the old ways of life, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he goes on to make a list. I want you to notice that before Paul tells the Colossians what to do, he reminds them of who they are. Does this make sense? Before he gives them a list of things to put on, he, he first starts with their identity. And what I need you to understand, I don't, I don't know what you find identity and purpose and passion in, but when it comes to uh, Jesus and when it comes to a relationship with God, your identity is not achieved by you, but rather it's received from God. This is beautiful because if your identity is achieved, then it rises and falls with your ability to uh, work hard and, and be creative and, and show up, but if your identity is received, then you don't have to perform for, for it, and your value doesn't rise and fall with your performance. And here's, here's the amazing thing, is that when you know who you are, then you know what to do. That once my identity is established, my activity can flow out of that. And so 
he, he spends some time reminding them of who they are before we get into the activity side because it really, really matters. So here's why this is important for you. I, I don't know how you grow up or, or what life has looked like, but man, for many of you, um, life has not been easy and uh, there's not been a lot of value placed on you and there's not been a lot of encouragement and not, not been a lot of support. And, and maybe, maybe for you, life has been hard and a lot of your identity um, has been pressed down and, and, and discouraged and, and frustrated. And so I want you to, no matter what people have said about you, no, what, no matter what the past has taught you, no matter what experience has taught you, I want you to hear what God thinks about you. And the first word that Paul uses is he says that you're God's chosen ones. This is like language of adoption, that, that God is a good dad who loves us, and we were spiritually separated from him, and he sends Jesus to bridge the gap through faith to bring us back into his family, that, that we were separated from God's family, and through the payment of Jesus, it's like God paid the court costs and the adoption fees with the life of Jesus to bring us into his family. We're adopted. We're chosen. Jesus is our big brother if you put your faith in Jesus, and, and then the church becomes your family, even if you wish some of us weren't your family, like we become this family together. And here's the beautiful thing about being chosen is that no matter where you are on the other side, even if you haven't given God a second thought, he has already chosen you and he proved it through sending Jesus to die for you and rise again. And guys, this is not something you can earn. And this is not something that you can lose. And I think sometimes this gets hard because we're like, well, why, why would God choose me? And so some of us, depending on, on your story and where you land, you're like, why, why would God choose me? You know what? I don't know that we always have to know all the answers, but we can just be glad that he did. Does that make sense? Like sometimes I look at my marriage and I'm like, eh, who knows why Danielle really chose me? I'm just glad she did it, all right? I don't know. And some of you on the other side of this, like I don't know how you ended up with your wives, but just be glad that you're there, okay? Right, sometimes we don't have to have the full explanation to be thankful that we're chosen. Does this make sense? So being chosen outside of our performance sets our identity. The second thing he says is that you're holy. Anybody got that on your Instagram profile? Like, husband, dad, I work here, and I'm holy, right? And that, probably not, right? That's not something that we typically put out there for people to see. Why? Because uh, this is not a word that we would typically equate with ourselves. But what I want you to understand is in addition to being chosen and, and being in a new family, that, that this new family has a new identity. And it's set apart. And it's, I, mean, I want you to think of like royalty. Like, like it's, it's different. And it's, it's, it's something special and set apart and sacred. And what Paul is saying is, hey, not only are you chosen, but you're, you're holy. You're special. You're, you're set apart. And some of you need to hear this. And maybe to help you understand, the opposite of those things would be to take something sacred and to treat it as common. To take something special and treat it as ordinary like everything else. And maybe you feel like, like, like you're lost in the crowd and lost in the world and you're insignificant and of no value. And Paul's reminding you, hey, listen, no, you're chosen and you're holy. You're special. The God looks at you and there's not another one like you on the planet. There never will be and there never has been. You're holy. You're special. You're set apart. And, and you can think about it like, like uh, how we do holidays, right? The word holidays comes from... from uh, two words, that holy days, right? Set apart days. What, what makes Christmas special is that it's set apart. We don't have Christmas every day, but rather it's a time that, that you set aside and it's special, right? Paul's trying to say, hey, there's that kind of value on your life, regardless of how you feel or how, how you evaluate your performance or what other people have said to you and about you. In addition, he, he goes on and he says, you're, you're beloved. You're beloved. Anybody else use those words when you're talking to your bros? 
right, at work, like you're at Home Depot and you, and you just look at another man and you're like, hey man, you're beloved, right, probably not on your list of words to choose. Now, now maybe uh, depending on, on where you land, like you, you might receive this word really, really easily. Uh, this simply means that, that, that God is affectionate towards you and he's devoted to you. And, and guys, listen, I, I just need you to take a step back and regardless of how this word sits, I, I need you to receive it, that you're sacred and special and important because God loves you. And you're created in his image. And you need to receive this so that you can heal up. So that, so that some of the brokenness and the hurt that causes a lot of your activity can change. So that your identity internally can change. And guys, listen, if your life has been filled with rejection, if you've been, you feel like you've been set to the side and told to be quiet and told to get out of the way and, and that there are more important people and more important things to, to spend time on, I want you to know that's false that you're loved by God. And, and, and this can shape your entire identity. And again, once you know who you are, then you know what to do, that your identity can influence your activity. Does this make sense? And for some of you, I mean, I just need you to sit on those three words. Maybe if you hear nothing else, know that you're chosen, holy, and beloved. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never had a moment where, you, where you've put your faith in Jesus, said, Jesus, I trust you that you died for me, that you rose again so that I can have a relationship with God. Guys, all of these things are available to you through that singular moment of faith. Man, I want you to receive that. You don't have to achieve it. But once we do, there's a transformation. There's some things that begin to change, and that's where Paul continues to go. Check it out. He says, uh, um, to put on compassionate hearts. I'm just going to walk you through these, okay? So I just want you to evaluate. As we go through the list, uh, uh, again, working what your daddy gave you, that's a whole, the whole idea is like, okay, I'm going to operate out of my identity of who God says that I am. And so part of it is, is do I look like Jesus? Do I have a compassionate heart? This is simply, it simply means to be considerate of others. That, that the heart is like the seat in the center of our lives. And, and a lot of times Jesus would talk about what comes out of the heart uh, um, is, or I'm sorry, what comes out of the mouth is connected to the heart. It reveals reality. And, and so this is, having a compassionate heart just means that I care. I have the capacity to be empathetic towards you, that, I, that I'm elevating you above my selfishness. He goes on and he says, to put on kindness. This is simply being considerate of others. I, I just evaluate, man, are, are you, do you operate out of a mode of kindness or, or, or are you thinking of, of yourself first? This is asking the question in a relationship, what do you want? What, what do you need? Not about me, right? We live in a selfie culture, right? There, there used to be a, a time when, you know, a, a camera was for capturing moments and memories. <laughs> and, and now it's, you know, we have the, the, the camera on, on the other side of the phone too. And so now it's me, me doing this and me doing that and me doing this. And so now I live in a world where I can be me-centric and I can have everything focused on me. And kind of says, you know what? I'm going to make it about you instead of me. What do you need? What do you want? And again, don't, don't get stuck in like the, in, the intimate circle of relationships. Think about uh, your coworkers. Think about your neighbors. Think about uh, um, the, the, the clerk at the grocery store. Think about uh, your extended family. Think about uh, those in your household. Think about your kids. I mean, put it all in the same category. He goes on and he says, put on humility. These, these are just the, the byproducts of a new identity uh, of being a part of God's family. And I want you to think about Jesus and how often he would elevate humility, that he would say, hey, I came to serve, not to be served. And, and, and if you watch the life of Jesus, it was kind of countercultural, right? Like Jesus would elevate humility, whereas our, our, our culture currently would elevate what? Pride, right? That, that, that you would operate out of self-confidence and pride. And so 
to, to be humble is, let me, let me clarify this, to operate out of humility is not thinking less of myself, but rather thinking of myself less, that when I approach a relationship, I'm, I'm humble enough to accept just, just w- whatever my assignment might be in life. And, and so I want you to understand that like, this has nothing to do with your achievement ladder, that I can be a, the CEO of a company and embrace the humility and position that, you know what, I have a responsibility to operate in this position in a way that honors God and loves people, and I can be a janitor and receive my position with humility and honor as well. And, and what this allows us to do is, is it allows us to have harmony in relationships. Right? Have you ever seen two really humble people, like, fight it out? You ever seen two humble people just go at each other? Right? That's not normally what the, the conflict that we see happen. Because, because humility brings unity. Now, the la- the, he goes on and he says, in addition, put on meekness. That's not a, a word we normally use, but I want you to think about it for a minute. This word, it doesn't mean like you're a doormat. It doesn't mean, you know, you're a jellyfish without a backbone and people walk all over you. I, I want you to understand that the word meek, it literally means uh, um, power under control. I want you to think about a horse with a bit in its mouth. It's power under control. It's, it's being simultaneously tough and tender. And, and um, it, it's, it's strength, but, but coupled with direction. And so th- think of, uh, of, well, I'm a dad. I'll, just give, I'll give you an example as a dad, right? Um, I, I can be tough for my family, and I can be tender with my family. And that's what meekness looks like. That I'll get on the floor, and I'll wrestle with my boys, and I'll let them push me around. I'll let them jump on top of me and dogpile me, and we'll have a great time. And I can be tender with them, even though technically I could beat them in a wrestling match, right? Could I be tough? You bet. But, but it's, it's being tough for others and tender with others. Does that make sense? And, and if you're like me, again, I'm asking you to evaluate. Like, where, where do you struggle here? Where, what, what needs to be put on that maybe uh, you haven't been putting on lately? For me, um, every now and then, I get these wires crossed. Like, instead of being tough for others and, and tender with them, um, I, I will be tough to protect myself, and I'll tenderize others. Does that make sense? Like, like, the only thing tender out of my relationships is to whoever I just got done beating up with my words or my actions, right? Like, sometimes I get these wires crossed, and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't know if you know what your, your word is, but, like, toughness is sometimes a shield to protect myself, that I've got to present myself in a way that allows me to be protected. But meekness is, you know what? I'm going to use my toughness for others, and I'm going to be tender with them simultaneously. Does this make sense? And, and uh, he, he goes on and he says, in addition, put on patience. Some of you are like, can we please hurry this up, right? This one's for you, okay? Uh, earlier, I, w- I was going to Denver today, and, um, you know, the normal I-25 traffic, it just kind of gets spotty, and, and, uh, and, and so you're sitting in line, and, and I, 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 some, I'm, I'm impatient, okay? This one's for me, too. All right, well, they're probably all for me, but you know what? This is one that I, I, I honestly need to work on. And so I'm asking Jesus, hey, help me to put on some patience. And I know I'm, I'm doing this message tonight. So I'm having a conversation with you and I know this is coming and I'm in traffic. And so, you know, you start to play the game of like, I'm going to get around this person and this person and this person. And we're in traffic. So no matter how hard I try, I'm not really gaining any ground. And all of a sudden I see a guy in front of me and he, he's just going crazy like, bam, you know, swerving in and out of traffic, jumping just every chance he gets in front of another car. And I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, man, that guy looks like an idiot. He's so impatient. And then I was like, oh, that's what I look like <laughs> when I'm impatient. And uh, to be honest, the problem with patience, guys, uh, you see it when it shows up in relationships, um, is it's a lack of care. It's a lack of concern that when I'm impatient in relationships, I'm showing that I don't value the time that we're investing in this moment, whether it's a, a conversation or whatever it may be. 
And so he goes on to say, again, we're putting these things on, bear with one another. Bear with one another. This is, I want you to think about the, the language of, of bearing as, as load-bearing, like a bridge. So relationships, um, they have to be load-bearing because sometimes they get heavy and they, and they get complicated. And so you have two options. You can bear with one another in relationships or you can bear down on one another in relationships. Does this make sense to you? And so I want you to think about bearing with one another. This is, this is continuing in the, in the relationship, pressing into the relationship in spite of our differences and challenges. This is, I'm going to choose to treat you like God treats me, regardless of how I feel or, or, or how I'm processing things. I'm going I'm to bear with you. And l- l- let me just give you some encouragement when it comes to relationships, because this applies to, uh, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your relationship with other people in the family of God. This is your relationships with people outside uh, of faith. This is your relationship with your extended family and those in your household. We're going to bear with one another. And, and, and here's the challenge is, if someone is wrong, when it, when it comes to conflict and relationships, even if someone's wrong, let's just say they, they are. Let's, if someone is wrong, you're not able to help them unless you love them. That bearing with one another means I'm, gonna, I'm putting up with, I'm, I'm lasting it out with you so we can see this thing flourish. And I want you to think about relationships like a bank account, right? You make investments in a bank account and when you do withdrawals, it doesn't bankrupt the account. As long as you're not withdrawing more than is in the account, that relationship can bear the weight of that. Or I'm sorry, the, the account can bear the weight. In the same way, I want you to think about your relationships as, as withdrawals and, and deposits. Are you making more withdrawals or deposits? Because if you genuinely, genuinely want to help someone, then you can't help them unless you love them. And so there has to be a bearing that I'm going I'm to stick it out with you and I'm going to keep investing in you so that when I do make a withdrawal, the relationship has the capacity to hold it. Now, he, he starts off with this identity conversation and then he moves directly into conflict. Anybody ever have conflict? Yeah, yeah, this is like a, just an everyday conversation. And so point number two is very simply this. Keep it above, above the belt, okay? Keep it above the belt. Like, how, how do we fight clean, you know, man, we we're so accustomed and, and, and taught to fight dirty, but how do we fight clean? Keep it above the belt. Here's what Paul says. Watch this. He goes on and he says, as you're bearing with one another's burdens, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be Thankful. So pause for a second. Just check it out. Like he breaks it down. He says, hey, and when there's a complaint, I love that he uses this word. You ever had a complaint? Like this is not even like, hey, you've been sinned against. It's like not even anything actually like sinful or wrong. It's just like you're annoying. <laughs> right? You ever have a complaint? Like you got some quirks and you got some things. Man, we, we, we all have these things. You live life together long enough and, and the people around you, they just have things about them where you might have a complaint. Like Oh, man, they just snore. I don't like the way that they smack. Or I don't, it always leaves the toilet seat up. Or, you know, they can't. And we have all these little complaints and relationships. And, you know, oh, that coworker, they always do this. And they never do that. Or, you know, my neighbor always, you know, mows his grass at 6 a.m. You know, we have these little complaints that aren't actually sins, right? They're just these little grievances. And so he, he invites us uh, into a couple of things in handling conflict. And the first one is, hey, to remember that you've been forgiven. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, this takes a deep, deep seat in our lives. Our capacity to love and forgive others is directly connected to and only finds its capacity in the reality that we've been forgiven by God. I want you to think about it for a second. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, how does it feel to be forgiven? I mean, I mean just think about it. How does it feel that, that, that you've been forgiven for everything? Feels really good, right? Paul's saying, okay, now share that same thing with other people. That same good feeling you have, man, you share that forgiveness with others. And so uh, I don't know where you find yourself in, in, in relationships, um, but there's no pre-qualification here, right? They don't have to say they're sorry or this is extending forgiveness because it's what Jesus would do regardless of their performance or their position. And a couple of things on forgiveness in case you, I don't want you to get it confused, okay? Um, forgiveness is, is making the decision to not take the, the conflict to trial, that in the moment, you know what, I'm going to choose to let it go rather than, than, than bring it to trial. I'm just going to move on and let it go and give it to Jesus. Um, uh, another thought on forgiveness is, is that forgiveness is not trust, okay? For, forgiveness is, is free, but trust is earned. Like, like Forgiveness can be extended without trust as simultaneously be, being given back. That, that reconciliation and forgiveness are not even the same. Right, that, that we can, I can actually forgive you, and, and we, we, the relationship might not go back to what it was before. Does this make sense? The difference is I'm not holding it against you. Forgiveness is I'm, I'm, I'm going to forgive and let it go. And, and what I want you to understand about forgiveness and the reason he brings it up here is when it comes to relationships and when it comes to conflict, sometimes, man, this is something that you have to do over and over again. Not because you didn't genuinely forgive the first time, but maybe something happens that, that brings up that hurt again, or maybe something reminds you and it triggers you and it brings up that hurt again, or, 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 or some new information comes out and it hurts you again. Like Sometimes you have to forgive multiple times. Jesus said um, in a conversation, his disciples said, hey, how many times should we forgive somebody? And he said 70 times 7, which is a lot. Right? The point was just keep doing it and keep doing it. Now, I want to encourage you in the forgiveness conversation because, because it's good for your soul. Sometimes we get really, really stuck. We're like, oh, man, they can't get away with it. But it's good for your soul because, because forgiveness is like, like snow caps on a mount, mountain. They begin to melt. And as they begin to melt, they begin to wash away some of the things. And, and I want you to think about like the residue of unforgiveness in your life. It's like a poison on the inside. And forgiveness begins to melt that away, and it begins to wash it away. And at the same time, man, when you can go from, from frozen and stiff to like a, a flowing river, then not only is it refreshing for your life, but then that, that touches other people in the same way. He goes on to say, put, above all these things, put on love. And this just comes back to the invitation of Jesus that this is not performance to make God happy with me or hope I get into heaven when I die or any of that stuff. This is, hey, because of the love of God for me, I'm going to love God back, and because of the love of God for me, I want to extend that same love to other people. And so, so Paul says, man, above all these things, put on love because it covers it all. Like, like just ask the question instead of, uh, you know, are they going to get away with it, or, or, or was I justified, or who's right and who's wrong? He says, just ask the question, like, what does love require of me? Just pause for a minute and ask that question. He says, because it binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body. There's that unity conversation again. And be thankful. I want you to uh, just pause for a moment about the peace of Christ. This is like, um, this language is related to um, like a sports conflict, okay? I want you to imagine that there was a, 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 a conflict in the middle of a game. You're, well, you know, there's not a lot of games happening right now in the middle of COVID, but basketball's starting back up. So let's just say there's a contested call. 
right? Uh, and, and everybody's asking the question, oh, you know, that was a foul. No, it wasn't. It's clean. And we go back and forth, right? What happens? The, the, the referee comes in and, and makes the call. Anytime there's a contested, have you, have you ever been in a relationship where there's a contested call? That, that, that you have a different call than the other person? Like, like what you saw happened is different from what they saw? And so it goes like this, right? Oh, hey, what you said, that was me. No, it wasn't. You're just too sensitive. Oh, man, you, you, you should have done this and you didn't do it. Oh, no, why? I didn't have to do it. Why couldn't you have just taken care of it? And, and you have these moments where you, where you disagree. Have you ever had these moments? Danielle and I might have these a few times. And uh, I, I love Danielle, my wife. But friends, I, I can tell you, she is not married to Jesus, okay? And so we have conflicts. And, and what happens is in the middle of conflict, sometimes there's a contested call. And we both want to put the, jer- the, the, the striped shirt on. We want to grab our whistle. And we say, you know, this is wrong. And, and we're going to blow that whistle. And we're going to make a big deal about it. And, and so what Paul is saying is, say, let the peace of Christ rule. What he's saying is take off, take off the, 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 the striped shirt, take off the whistle, and, and let Jesus make the call. Let, let Jesus resolve the issue. And you might ask the question, like, what, what does that look like? And, and very simply, guys, if you're going to let the peace of Christ rule in your relationships, uh, you, you can pray alone and you pray together. Um, that, that you let Scripture, you let the Bible guide your response, that you go to that to resolve conflict. And sometimes you bring in a wise counsel, that you bring in a, a third party that can help you guys neutrally dissolve and, and, and work through the issue. That you take off the whistle you're not the umpire, and you let Jesus make the call. And it's all for the sake of the relationship. Now, watch how he ends it. He says, and be thankful. Why? Listen, I don't know where you find yourself in conflict. It happens often. But again, we're asking the question, what, what, what is it, how, how am I going to do relationships in the kingdom? And so when it comes to relationships, you know where I can start? I can start by being thankful. Guys, in, in conflict, it's so easy to be critical, right? Isn't it? Like, so easy to start and be critical and, and, and dig up every failure and every fault and every flaw and just, just blow the whistle over and over and over again. But for the sake of the relationship, if I'll start with being thankful, it'll change the tone of that relationship. That I'm going to start with, with by asking the question, what can I be thankful for? Before, before we talk about the things that need correction, let me, let me reflect on what is correct in this relationship. Imagine that, how that will change the tone of the next conflict that you have. Before I blow up and start blowing the whistle, I'm just going to think about what I can be thankful for, what is correct in this relationship. And again, that equity conversation, when I'm making deposits and withdrawals, this allows me to have a healthy resolution. Now, as we wrap up our last point, I want you to, uh, I'm going to frame it up. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. We've been doing these driving movies over the summer. The next one coming up in August is going to be Bad Boys for Life. And there's a scene in Bad Boys for Life that, that I wanted to kind of play out for you because I think it plays really, really helpful into this last point. You've, you've got uh, Will Smith driving a motorcycle and, and uh, his buddy's in the car next to him. And uh, uh, they're, they're in a chase scene and they're chasing the bad guy. And uh, uh, the, the guy in the car, he, he's like, oh, man, like I He's digging through the, the, the little car, and, and he's finding all these weird things. But all of a sudden, he pulls out this giant machine gun. And, and, and Will Smith is like, use it. And he's like, I can't. I, I told God that I wouldn't do violence anymore. Will Smith looks over, and he's like, who do you think gave you that gun? And he's like, that's a really, really, that's a really good point. 
And Will Smith looks over and he says, you are a vessel for the Lord's work. God gave you that gun. That's God's gun. It's like David and Goliath. And, and he's like, that's like your slingshot. And he's like, yeah, this is like my slingshot. And he says, you know what? We're like bad boys for the Bible, baby. And then Will Smith is like, amen, amen. And then they start shooting and then they you know, catch the bad guy. It's cool. Um, but in that moment, it's really funny. The whole, like, the whole movie is, is about their relationship. And they have a saying. They have a saying uh, that they continually live out. And it's this, that we ride together. And we what? We die together. We ride together. We die together. So when we're having relationship conversations, when we're having conflict conversations, you might ask the question, like, how do we, how do we work this thing out in real time? How do we grow in this? Like, it's one thing to see on paper and, yeah, okay, great. I feel like a crappy person because I'm not great at relationships. How do I grow in it? Well, the, the key here is going to be community, that we ride together and die together. Watch what Paul says. Check it out. Super helpful. He says, let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing what? One another. You see the community aspect? In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together with thankfulness in your hearts. There it is again. And whatever you do, this is talking about serving one another, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, there it is again, to God the Father through him. So there's a couple of things that, that Paul is helping us understand. He says, hey, if you want to work this out real time, you got to do it in relationship. you got to do it in community. If you're going to practice this and grow in this, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God and others, we do this through community. And so he, he transitions from, from the relationship conversation and putting on other things to a very practical conversation around community and the church. And, and again, I just want to remind you, the church is not a building, clearly, because we're in uh, COVID season and we haven't met in a building in a long time. The church is not a building. It's people, which is a great place for us to work out our relationship with God and one another. And so it's beautiful. We can work on our relationship with God. We can grow in, in working in our relationship with one another. And we continue to carry out his mission in the process of loving God and loving people. And, and here's, here's Paul's point. The church is the foundation and the beginning of the expression of the kingdom of God in the world around us. That when we're asking the question, how am I going to do relationships in the kingdom, and how do I do that today? The church is the immediate expression of that in the world. That, that Jesus said that the world, will know, the world will know that we are his followers by the love that we have for one another. Does this make sense to you? And so he goes on and he gives some very practical encouragement. He says, hey, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly, like, like man, let, let the words of Jesus make, make their home in your heart. More than a Bible study and more than just a weekend service. Like, this is important right now, but it's dwelling in you, sitting in you, ruminating in you. Because it's getting in you at a soul level. That, that your soul needs to be fed in the same way that your body needs to be fed. And, and, and guys, listen, are there times that you make yourself eat things that, that you don't necessarily want because it's good for you? Or are there times that you'll make your kids eat things that they don't necessarily want because it's good for you? Right? You don't let your kids operate off of just a, a diet of junk food. In the same way, sometimes we've got to give our souls the things that we, we know that we need even if we don't want them in the moment. And he goes on and he says, hey, do, do all of these things, teaching and admonishing uh, one another in these relationships. And, and, and he's just saying, hey, community is critical. 
Like, like you need family. I don't know where you are in the season. I don't know where you are over the summer and where you've been in community. But guys, I'm telling you, you got to stay connected in community. We have city groups. We have house campuses. And we have nights of worship outside that are safe but still helpful in connecting. And we're serving our city together. Don't do life alone. Get plugged into community. Use that connection card. And, and man, let, let us love and serve you and bring you along into the family. He goes on and says, you need to sing together. And he gives all these different expressions of singing. And some of you, man, you're great at singing. Some of you, you're embarrassed by your singing. And listen, when we get together for nights of worship and prayer, we just turn it up really, really loud so no one can hear you, okay? Like, so no matter where you find yourself, it's, it's a really comfortable place. But man, singing does something for your soul. And singing with others does something for your soul. That when we sing, it's like we're singing prayers to God. And, it, and again, it's, if belief determines behavior, man, I'm, I'm saying words that maybe my heart hasn't caught up with yet. But as I sing them, it's like I'm praying them and I'm transforming the way that I think about God and people. The singing is powerful when we do it together. And he goes on to say, hey, with thankfulness in your hearts, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's talking about serving one another. Sometimes I think we get stuck in these conversations and we say, like, how do I grow? I feel kind of stuck. Like, I need to read some more books and, and, and get some more journals and, and do the hard work on paper. And, and Paul's saying, no, listen, like the fastest and, and most, most healthy way to grow is, is simply to start serving other people. You want to grow and you want to be healthy? Then, then, then begin to use yourself to serve others. Make it about others. That's the fastest path to spiritual growth. And then he ends again, over and over again, with thankfulness, giving thanks for, for God and for people. And, and here, here's, here's what I want you to reflect on as we close our time. Man, this world that we live in, man, we need life-giving relationships, right? And as Daniel comes to play, I want you to reflect on these questions I'm going to put on the screen. But, man, it's been a hard season. And isolation is real. And, and people are alone. And people are hurting. And conflict is escalating. And, and we need life-giving relationships. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, you have the secret sauce to life-giving relationships. You have a dad who loves you, who changes your identity. You have the capacity to love others in a way that, that most people don't operate out of. And you have a community around you who will walk through you with it. And so no matter where you are on the spectrum, I, mean, I want you to know that God loves you and he has a desire to work in and through you to help other people know that same kind of love. What would it look like, guys, to have the most life-giving expression of community in Boulder? I'll tell you what it has to look like. It's me and you. It's not going to happen outside of me and you. And so i got a couple of action things here for you on the screen that I'm going to give you. And I just want you to reflect on it for just a moment, okay? What's one thing that you're going to put on this week out of that a whole list, out of, out of just qualities of of being a child of God, out of, out of conflict resolution, what's one thing that you're going to put on this week? Number two, how is it that you can handle conflict differently this week? Man, can I be honest? I'm reflecting on it. I'm going to pause and hit the thankfulness button and, and just begin to reflect for a minute before I start to critique, because it's way easier to critique. What is it for you? How are you going to handle conflict differently this week? And last thing, is how will you connect in community this week? How is it that you're going to get around some other people and, and grow in your relationship with God and one another? 
How are you going to make community a priority this week? Listen, however we can serve you, however we can love, love you, however we can help you, and we're here for you. Use those connection cards. Use that number on the screen. And we would love to serve you and get you connected in community and give you the resources that you need to grow in your relationship with God and others. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us and rising again to give us new life. God, I pray that you do for us what we can't do for ourselves, that you show up in power and love in our lives, and that not only would it, would it change something inside, but out of the identity that we would remember that we're, we're chosen and we're holy and we're loved, that that would allow us to love others freely without expecting anything in return. God, would you put your finger on the spots in our lives that need to change? Would you, would you allow us to see where you, where you want us to grow? And man, can we bring life-giving community to those around us? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.